All right, hello everyone. Welcome to the latest show, the latest episode, Heal Thyself, your favorite show, my personal favorite. Uh, yeah, thank you for joining. Very, very good show. As always, we have uh, the second part of the water episode. I know it's been a few months. Thank you for all being so patient, but the second part of our water episode is here where we're going to be really diving into bottled water, uh, something which was very much so the regular for me when I was in college, but really bringing some light into why we should shift out of bottled water. Also, uh, for the product view part, we're going to be going over the very specific bottled waters that show the highest concentration of a particular toxin and heavy metals, and which ones to really stay away from, and which ones, if you do need to grab a bottle of water, to grab onto. Uh, and also, we have a special guest, Paul Sorbo. He's a health entrepreneur. He's a biohacker. Uh, but really, he's an enthusiast about brain, and this guy knows everything about brain health. So... Uh, so important to have this conversation with him because as we age, so too do our brains and our cognition, right? So uh, we're going to get learning some tips from him as well as maybe even some testing we can do. We can learn some more stuff. So really excited. Let's kick this show off with the knowledge bomb. So this is the second part of the water show. I know, like I said, you all, thank you for being patient. We did the first one back in May, episode 61. And uh, if you remember, I went over some particular toxins. We talked about uh, which water filters to buy, which ones to stay away from. It was very comprehensive. I actually would suggest before you listen to part two of it to listen to part one because we're building on a few things anyway, all right? But what I wanted to mention, and look at the synchronicity behind this, the, there was a consumer report that was released just last month at the end of the month, and guess what it was on? Bottled water. So I was so excited to, for that to come out because I can totally tie that into the show. Um, so what better time than now? But the consumer report, if you are uh, not familiar with it, it's basically just an unbiased review of various products. Just like I do product reviews, they do product reviews. And it can go from everything from appliances to cars to bottled water. And they do it in these uh, third-party labs. Uh, you'll remember back in episode 61, I really went into details about water as I mentioned, uh, where it's, how it's regulated, what toxins are in it, and even how to find out what the level of toxins are in your municipality for your water. And you can check that. So go back, as, as I said, to listen to that episode. Um, on the spectrum of water filters, I also talked about which ones to invest in, really important. Uh, but what we want to do is uh, cover bottled water on this episode. And it's a really important part of the conversation because the majority of us, believe it or not, are accessing our water through bottled water. I mean, if I remember, it wasn't too long ago when I was in college and I was buying 24 packs of Poland Spring and having it in my dorm room floor or under my bed or in the corner somewhere. And uh, and that was my go-to, right? I'd just have water bottles everywhere. I mean, terrible for the environment, but in many ways, even worse for your body. So uh, I thought it would be making, and I, particularly me, I thought it was a great move because I was transitioning to drinking more water and it was more accessible. So for me, that was the healthy move, but um, there are many effects that can be seen, not the least of which being BPA. You hear me talk about BPA at nauseum, and uh, I still do because it's important for us to understand, right? Plastic leaches xenoestrogens. Right? meaning that it leaks out this chemical that mimics estrogen in the body. And this is a major, major problem. Estrogen is kept in a very exquisite balance in our body, right? Too much is a big problemo. As a matter of fact, too much estrogen pushes cancer, particularly breast cancer, uterine cancer, and prostate cancer. BPA, even at low doses, lower doses than approved by the FDA will have an effect on the body. The dose makes the poison is not a true statement for BPA. It doesn't count for these endocrine disrupting chemicals like BPA and it's all of its analogs. So each time we're drinking bottled water, we're getting a dose of this chemical that not only disrupts our hormones, but disrupts our immune system, inflames the brain, causes disruption in metabolic health affects fetal development, right? Has been connected to infertility. This stuff is nasty. There's no way around it. And what our bottles, water bottles are made from is that BPA. And again, remember BPA means, BPA free means nothing. I just had a, um, 
juice company reach out to me this morning and they wanted to send me all these juice products. They go, we want to send you free products, Dr. G. We love what you're doing. And it's in plastic. I looked, I opened up the page. Everything was in plastic. I asked if they plan on moving a glass and they said, no, they're going to keep it in, in plastic, but it's okay because it's BPA free. But again, BPA and even its analogs, right, that they use for BPA free are pretty much the same. It's a very sneaky move by the plastic industry, but it's pretty much the same. You can expect the same health effects, the same spectrum of inflammation coming on from the same stuff. It's you When you see a BPA-free BPA bottle, just turn your head the other way and instead go to what my solution was in episode 61, getting a filter, getting glass or stainless steel water bottle and filling it up, fill it up for the day. If you're away from home for a long time, get a really big water bottle, get two, right? Fill one up. Bring one for the, to the office, bring one to your gym locker, whatever it is, but make sure that you have enough water for the day. But that is going to be a very easy but massive change to what's coming into your body, all right? So remember, we have to be vigilant about the stuff that we put in our body, especially if it's every single day. Okay, so for the product review segment, I'm going to go over this investigation that Consumer Reports did. They did, the, they did the dirty work for me. Finally, someone did the legwork, and I feel really good about this. So without further ado, let's get to this product review segment. This Consumer Report investigation was called What's Really in Your Bottled Water? And it was published on September 24th, 2020. Really recent. And we learn exactly what we suspected, right? Bottled water kind of sucks. And you'll remember, episode 61, I was talking about a very particular chemical called PFAS, PFAS, polyfluorinated substances. I was talking about them because I was saying that this is a major problem that's growing in our water. Guess what the Consumer Report tested for? PFAS. Guess how many water bottles had PFAS? Most of them. So the design of this was that they used 47, uh, tested 47 bottled waters, uh, 35 were non-carbonated, 12 were carbonated. And what they did uh, test for were not only the PFAS, as I mentioned, 30 different, 35 different types of PFAS chemicals, but also heavy metals, particularly arsenic, cadmium, lead, and mercury, the, the same heavy metals that we really look for in the cacao powders and the protein powders uh, recently in the green powder. So if you remember, in the Knowledge Bomb segment of part one of the Water Show, episode 61, back in May, I went into detail about PFAS, polyfluorinated substances, and I was, again, saying it was the next major issue in our water. Just as we thought, this is what the Consumer Report revealed. We know that there are chemicals in our water, right? Fluoride, heavy metals, microplastics, I just talked about BPA, pesticides, herbicides, chlorine, chloroform, VOCs, pharmaceuticals like birth control, antidepressants. This we already know. This is why we should never drink tap water. The PFAS I mentioned in the last show, and they are nasty. They are what are called forever chemicals. And they don't break down in the environment and they wreak havoc in our body. They've been known to affect the immune system, have a very particular affinity for the thyroid, cause cancer, and are connected to low birth weight, you name it. So PFAS are a major, major, major issue. They're a major part in environmental medicine. It's certainly one of the top five chemicals that we talk about. So what about the federal government? As I mentioned in the earlier episode, they hardly have any regulation with it. It's, it's voluntary regulation. They just say, keep it under 70 parts per trillion for two specific PFAS, which is pretty appalling because many different experts are reporting differently. The International Bottle Water Association uh, says that it supports the federal limits for PFAS and that bottled water should have PFAS levels below five parts per trillion for any single compound and 10 parts per trillion for more than one. Even further than that, many water experts are agreeing right now that one to five parts per trillion should be the max, right? But then the federal government is saying 70, 70 is good. Uh, and on top of that, it's a voluntary regulation. I digress. But anyway, what we want to really talk about is what they found in this investigation. Most of the waters that they investigated had these chemicals. Here were the brands that had the lowest amount of PFAS in their water. Arrowhead, Box Water is Better, and Good and Gather. That's it. 
Here are the ones that had de detectable levels of PFAS found. Whole Foods, 365, Absorb Pure, Alkaline 88, Aquafina, Core, Crystal Geyser, Essentia, Evian, Fiji, Flow, Greater Value, Ice Mountain, Just the Basics, Kirkland Signature, Life Water, Liquid Death, which I never even heard of. How is that even a water? Nestle Pure Life, Niagara, Ozarka, Pathwater, Penta, Poland Spring, Saratoga, Smart Water, Trader Joe's, Waika, and Zephyr Hills. So those were the ones where they found detectable levels of PFAS. Here were the ones that had the highest amount of PFAS, Tourmaline Spring and Deer Park. Those two had the most amount of this chemical that is nasty, that wreaks havoc on the body. All of the waters tested that were non-carbonated, the ones I just mentioned are non-carbonated, uh, had below, level, below limits of heavy metals, uh, but they did mention one of them called Starkey. Now, Starkey, if you went to Whole Foods and you go, okay, I'm staying away from these plastic bottles, I'm going to get me a glass bottle. You're probably going to see Mountain Valley, which actually wasn't reviewed on this, and Starkey. Starkey is the Whole Foods brand, and it's, it's in glass, and it's amazing. But what they found was particularly high levels of arsenic. So at this point, I'd stay away from it. Now, for the carbonated waters... Uh, all of them had below legal limits of heavy metals, which was great. But again, many of them had measurable levels of PFAS, these chemicals. Again, they keep popping up. Here are some of them that they found that had detectable levels of these in ascending order. Sparkling ice, black raspberry, sparkling water. Spindrift, raspberry lime, sparkling water. San Pellegrino, natural sparkling mineral water. Schweppes, lemon lime, sparkling water beverage. Okay, these had detectable levels of PFAS, still on the lower end though. Here are the companies that had one part per trillion and above on this consumer report, which they and me consider the high zone, okay? Perrier, natural sparkling mineral water. La Croix, natural sparkling water. Canada Dry, lemon lime sparkling seltzer water. Poland Spring, Zesty Lime, Sparkling Water. And then two times the amount was found in Bubbly, Blackberry, Sparkling Water. Six times the amount was found in Polar, Natural, Seltzer Water. And nine times the amount was found in Topo Chico, Natural, Mineral Water, which was kind of heartbreaking because I personally don't drink, but when I go to parties, you can find me with a Topo Chico in my hand for quite a while. It's interesting for me that I found this uh, because that was really a like seltzer go-to, right? Like let's say I, I was at a party, I made a little kombucha drink, I put a little Topo Chico, um, maybe some, maybe make it a nice elixir. But it was, it's not something I drank regularly, but it's something that in social settings was a go-to seltzer. But to, to learn that nine times the amount of PFAS were in this particular beverage, which I believe Coca-Cola actually purchased, is is really something to hear. So um, that's 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 really a big a big take home. So what are we so what are we gonna think about now? Well, first and foremost, let me just give you the best take homes. You want to start moving away from plastic water bottles, regardless of the results in this in this investigation, right? This was just basically focusing on PFAS and heavy metals, both equally a problem, but I mentioned before all of the toxins in water. So uh, really the move, the move that we really want to make is get ourselves, go back to episode, uh, part one of the water episode, episode 61, and listen to the water filters that I was suggesting. Purchase one of those, get a glass stainless steel water bottle if you don't have it already. And if you do, let's say you're at the airport or you're at a conference or something, just keep in mind the brands that I mentioned for water that is particularly on the safer side, even if it's in plastic, versus you know, the ones that, like let's say Deer Park, for example. If Now I know if I go to a conference and they're giving me Deer Park, I'll stay dehydrated rather than drink Deer Park. So really interesting stuff. Awesome investigation by Consumer Reports. Really glad to be disseminating that information to you. You can all check it out. The article's up September 24th, 2020. Uh, so I can't wait 
to get this convo going with Paul Sorbo. Really influential guy, awesome guy, personable, great mind in this industry. So uh, yeah, without further ado, let's, let's get this convo going. All right, everyone, today's special guest, Paul Sorbo. He's the man. I met him at a conference, and he's involved with this incredible company where they scan your brain, and you can really tell just how sharp it's functioning. We're going to get a little more into that, but this guy is so passionate about all things health, so passionate about optimization, biohacking. He's a wealth of knowledge, and I had to have him on the show, and he's here in L.A., Thanks for dropping in, man. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure to be here. So excited. We've been talking about this for a while, so it's, yeah, it's nice yeah. to make it happen. Well, you were supposed to come on before the COVID hit, <laughs> and so we, I, we, I was all excited, and then we were just on the phone talking about how 2020 has just been a shit show. It's been amazing. It's, uh, yeah. it's indescribable. Yeah. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty wild. Um, but I mentioned... So let's talk about how we met. We, I was at, at the A4M conference in Las Vegas. Last year, right? Last year. Yep. And, and I come by this booth and it says Wavi. And I go, what the heck is Wavi now? And I see all these people with these fancy devices on their head. Yep. What, what, is this, what is this device doing, first of all? Because I really want to put out to the public that there's something out there that can really track your brain health. Yeah, totally. So Wavi it was conceptualized 10 years ago by two men by the name of David Oakley and David Jaffe. And really the background behind it is there's never been a truly accessible and affordable way to measure your brain and how it's performing. And that's really what Wavi brings to the table is it allows us to establish a baseline scan and then compare subsequent scans based on different interventions, how you're aging, you know, checking things like post-TBI, post-stroke, you name it. We're really measuring the brain functionality. How well is your brain processing signals as well is getting some other things like state dependency, measures that correlate with depression, anxiety, measures that correlate with ADD, ADHD. So a number of different things and a plethora of knowledge just in this quick, simple scan. And it's mm. not thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, in a practitioner, it's a couple hundred bucks, if that. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, it's a four minute test. It's not like you have to go in and get infrared dye put into your you know, right. veins. And right. so it makes it really accessible to the public and people can really check their, their, total body wellness, including their brain, which is so amazing. And I love that because I was able to get an idea because at the time, remember we were talking about the mold, how oh, I got absolutely. really sick with mold. So I, I was expecting my results to be worse, but they were all right. They were pretty good, actually. We're going to do them today. I'm going to yeah, on excited. social media after this. But um, so for folks who are really wanting to, who have been sick with mold, first, for example, yeah. is this something that can be really helpful at tracking where you are, how you're improving? That's the whole idea behind it. If we can establish your baseline, we can really see exactly how you're trending throughout times. Mm -hmm. So this can be true for dementia and Alzheimer's or any sort of cognitive decline. So the problem right now is that we don't measure until it's already too late, right? So when we're already experiencing memory loss or we're already experiencing brain fog, right? Okay, at that point, we're going in and we're getting, it doesn't matter what measurement it is, but at that point, we've already had a problem mm -hmm. versus if we back up 20 years and we had a year over year scan measuring the performance of the brain, could we see exactly when things started to take that downtick and could we have intervened at that moment in time? So it really gets into that preventative side of things. Now, it's not just dementia, Alzheimer's, cognitive decline, TBIs. It's even things like heavy mold exposure, mm -hmm. heavy metal exposures. Mm -hmm we can track these lifestyle changes to really see, okay, how is my lifestyle correlating to my wellness, you know, and especially the brain. And before Wavi, how do we measure these things? Yeah. You know, we've always had heart rate variability or not always, but heart rate variability is amazing. And you and I both agree that, mm -hmm. you know, we've had really in-depth conversations about it. Um, you know, PPG, we can look at a number of different things, but what about this? And that's really where it, it, we start to get into that total personalized medicine and total body wellness. Yeah. And I, I love that we can track that. And, you know, the, uh, when, when, when I was, when I did the scan, I was, it was really interesting to me to see the re results. Yeah. And, uh, and then I asked like, okay, well, how does someone, okay, so there's going to be people, people listening right now. They're going to no, go, all right, I want to scan. Absolutely. Already. They're going to, they're probably going online, Googling they while they're, while we're doing this. Yeah. So how do they get an accessible scan? Do they? So figure? on our Wavi website, which is wavimed.com right now, um, there's a find a practitioner near you and it's a number of our different practitioners. Now, not all of our practitioners are listed on there. Um, so if you email into the Wavi, uh, you can contact us. We can always put you in touch with someone that is nearby you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm going to, 
talk about it's not invasive the test you put on no. a little cap and you're following uh, these prompts basically onto how to measure how fast your brain is working what are the other measures the yeah so we measure something you know wavi something to clarify wavi's not anything new mm-hmm. the coolest part about it is what we've done is we've taken the science that's been around which is eeg and evoke potentials or erp which has been around 60 70 plus years and we've made it accessible And so we have all of this background data that we can utilize. And now from that, we can literally do a four-minute scan. So we're measuring how fast is your brain, how strong is your brain processing sensory input. We can do that auditory-based or we can do it visually. Mm. We're also getting a full clinical EEG, a full four-minute EEG. We have the ability to do up to a 20-minute EEG with a number of different sessions. Mm -hmm. On top of that, we're getting state measurements. So we're getting alpha, beta, delta data, Mm. the concentrations, the coherence patterns behind that, which there's a lot of research going in around right now. So we're getting all of this all at once in a four minute scan. And on top of that, we have automatic data interpretation behind that. So now instead of this having to go to a neurologist after a two hour EEG with a disgusting saline cap, which nobody enjoys, Mm -hmm. um, you know, this, this really new age measuring device, we can do it in a matter of minutes. And all of a sudden, like, you know, you saw at the conference, Two minutes later, we have your instant data that we're going over together. Yeah, it was fascinating. Yeah. Non-invasive, no. really easy, really quick. Um, but yeah, so for folks listening, you can go on the website, look at uh, the search for a doctor who's basically doing it, right? Yeah, doctor any, in any sort of clinic. Any clinic near you and then get the scan done. I would even recommend doing it once a year. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah, I mean, you should be, right? You're taking your blood pressure every year. Yeah. Why are you taking your blood pressure every year? Mm-hmm. Right? We're, we're checking as a preventative measurement. Yeah we have the access to do the same thing with your brain. And this should be part of, in my opinion, which is obviously very biased, but it's just the truth. This should be part of everyone's year over year wellness assessment. Mm-hmm. No ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah. Um, and it just gives us so much more in-depth information. Yeah. I love that. So, all right. Aside from the Wabi, what got you really passionate about the brain? Like we've had many conversations about brain yeah, totally. health, where we're going with like anxiety, depression, brain inflammation, like, what got you into it? And let's like dive into it because I, I love brain health. I've noticed that after the mold, I've had to be more vigilant about my brain health. So now all of a yeah. sudden there's some supplements, there's more exercise, sleep all of a sudden became way more at the top of the priority. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause the, cause, but what really, really got you into it? So, I mean, my background has always been health, exercise, nutrition. I, I got fascinated. I've always had a fascination with the human body. To me, the human body was, you know, it, if I can be good, why can't I be great? And and that's kind of where you get into biohacking or health optimization. And for me, that started with bodybuilding. Obviously a significant extreme. It's not healthy by any stretch. We all know that now. And it takes things to a really nth degree. But in my opinion, bodybuilders were really the first biohackers. Mm. You know, where you have peptides and hormones and insulin and testosterone. I mean, all of these things that functional medicine clinics are using nowadays, bodybuilders were using 30, 40 years ago. Mm. Now, were they medical doses? Not by any stretch of the imagination. A little bit more than that. A little bit extra, (laughs) right? And that can cause a number of effects downstream, you know, chronic inflammatory issues mm-hmm. and a number of different things that we can obviously dive into. And, and a lot of people know those things, right? Excess is not always good. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I went to, uh, I, I actually, when I was young, I had an opportunity to go to a medical clinic basically for a seven-day experience, all, you name it. I was watching open heart surgeries, eye surgeries, you name it. And I, I fell in love with the human body and the fact that we can fix the human body. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to school, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. Whether this is an orthopedist, whether it's a neurologist, I started really getting into psychology. I started getting into brain anatomy. I started getting into genetics. Mm -hmm. Um, And I ended up going through, you know, my undergrad and I actually published a a study to get into medical school, basically utilizing genetics to cure myostatin or Mm -hmm. not using myostatin to actually cure uh, Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. And the fact that we could use things like CRISPR, Cas9 and really alter the genetic code all of a sudden it led me into this world of epigenetics and really what is epigenetics? Well, it's controlling your genome and the expressions of genes or proteonics by lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. And then we, I started diving into this more in the bodybuilding world. And then after I got exposed to just everything that I was doing in the supplement industry, as you well know that I'm very involved in, I started realizing it doesn't take us modifying our genetics with CRISPR, Cas9, you name it. We can do this with our everyday lifestyle. We mm-hmm. can do this by the food that we eat, the lifestyle that we're living, the amount of sleep that we're getting. 
all of these can turn on and off certain gene expressions and really allow us to optimize our performance. Okay, well, now you can go into total body wellness. We can start talking about how the gut starts regulating the brain and the gut is working with the heart and the heart and the brain are working together. And so we really have the ability to really optimize the body and it doesn't take anything crazy. We just have to educate people. And mm -hmm. that's really become my mission nowadays is how do I educate people on this? Mm -hmm. And how do I open their eyes to really understanding that traditional medicine and Western medicine are very the same thing. We just need to bridge the gap. We do. So that's really where I kind of, that's my whole passion. Yeah, yeah. And you're great at it. You're great at putting the word out there about how we can empower each other. Um, I love the point you brought up about epigenetics because um, I don't think it's spoken about enough in the allopathic world. Um, I agree. And everything is genetically oriented and doomed to the genetics. Totally. Uh, so bringing up epigenetics, meaning that we can actually influence our genes through lifestyle and diet and even supplements. Absolutely. Um, that's powerful. That's powerful. It's, it's huge. It's like light switches is going on, light switches going off, light switches going on and off. And then telling our body how to express that. It's incredible that those directions can be given to us by the environment. It must have blown your mind because when I when I would learn about that, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was like, <laughs> so if your mom had breast cancer, that mean that doesn't mean you're gonna have it. No, I mean you can talk Alzheimer's dementia, you can talk APOE4, you can talk any one of these genes, right? Mm -hmm. And and I'm not saying that there's not a place for measuring these genes because there is going to be a predisposition. No yeah. ifs, ands, or buts. In the medical world, I don't care if you're, you're traditional, traditional medicine or you're, we're talking acupuncture. No ifs, ands, or buts, genetics play a role. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's the color of your hair. It's the color of our eyes. It's how our skin, it's the amount of, it doesn't matter, mm -hmm. right? You can go into everything. It's how we regulate. That being said, I, I always like to equate things to a car. That same car has a certain amount of parts, but if I put diesel into a gasoline motor, what's going to happen versus if I put... 85, 87, 89, 91, each one of these things changes the way that that car is performing, mm -hmm. how well it runs, how long it runs. What is the longevity of the engine? Yeah. The body's no different. If we put in really terrible fuel to our body, what happens? We yeah. all have the same parts, but if one thing is optimized for my body, well, how do I find what that is going to actually optimize my body and how do I extend my longevity? Yeah, which is the big thing. Yeah. So, uh, right? We, we, we all want to live healthy, but we all we want to be we want to live longer, but quality of life is, Absolutely. is major. So I know that you've immersed yourself in this world of how we can uh, influence epigenetics for the positive. Um, and you've been around a lot of people who are like, massive biohackers who yeah. are doing crazy things. <laughs> totally. uh, that's one side of the spectrum, right? But like, what are some of the things that you've learned and maybe incorporated into your life? Because, you know, you're young, you look good, you're fit, you know, like you're keeping your body strong, your, your brain I know is strong. So it's like, how can we learn some of the things that you've picked up over time? What are some of your favorites? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, so I used to pride myself. Like, I mean, you can ask any one of my family friends, my best friends. Yeah, I'm a chronic entrepreneur. I love to work. Mm. And it was like, the, I, I think there's this huge message right now going out, especially on social media, which is so powerful to people of the hustle and the grind and the 24 seven, right? You can't run it 24 seven. Yeah. It's not possible. And so I used to really pride myself on not sleeping. And I'm like, I don't have to sleep. I used to get two, three hours a night, like max. Yeah. That was the most I'm sleeping. Yeah. And and I, I try every day of my life. If my wife is listening to this, she's probably sitting there saying that I'm, I'm working on it. Mm -hmm. But now I really am trying to prioritize how, what is the quality of sleep that I'm getting? How well is my body and my brain actually being able to recover during that? And so it's not, I don't, thrive off of two hours of sleep. I know that. I know that I'm at 50%. Mm -hmm. So if I can average and I can make sure that I'm recovering, that's huge for me. Nutrition has changed my life. No ifs, ands, or buts. I used to count macros. I used to be a bodybuilder. It was, you know, how do I eat eight to 12,000 calories a day mm -hmm. just so I can gain weight? Is that healthy? No, not by any stretch, right? 
So now it's really looking not at the types of foods or even the macro breakdown. I don't even necessarily know if I believe in calories at this point. Mm. But what is the makeup of that food that I'm eating? A calorie is, is a measurement but what is making up those calories? Am I eating grass-fed organic beef? Am I eating, you know, farmed fish or am I eating wild-caught fish? Mm. Each one of these have a very, very different makeup. And what is optimized for my body? So my wife and I have 100% transition. I mean, we're grass-fed. We're as little processed food as possible. You know, you would have never caught a bottle of maple syrup in my life, ever, mm. right? But if you actually look into the research behind maple syrup, there is seven different types of antioxidants found in that that aren't found anywhere else in this world. Mm. Maple syrup. Maple syrup, mm -hmm. right? Is that bad for you? Well, it's sugar, but our body needs Quality, sugar. Quality, yeah. Right, so there are there are times when we're anabolic, and that we need that quick spike and we need that insulin spike and it allows us to grow, okay. But if you have someone that we need to limit tor activity, does somebody need to be eating a huge amount of protein? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. We want to limit tor activity, cancer, tumor replications. Mm -hmm. Should they be eating two hundred plus grams grams of protein a day? Probably not. Probably not. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the basic stuff. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to do that, but find what works for you. I don't care if it's keto. I don't care if it's vegan. I don't care if it's pescatarian. I don't care if you're a traditional eater. I don't really, to me, make the best lifestyle choice for you. Mm -hmm. But look at the quality and look at what you're actually putting into your body. Yeah. Not just the macronutrients, but really the breakdown of that. So that's really the basic stuff. And then if you go far reaching and you start getting into this biohacking stuff, okay, now we can start talking photobiomodulation. We can start talking cryotherapy. Mm -hmm. We can start talking NAD therapy. We can start talking all of these amazing things that maybe you're, you know, you can start to dip your toe into. You don't have to be Dave Asprey right. just to start being into the health optimization side of things. You can start, we can, yeah, biohacking is sleep. Mm -hmm. Biohacking is eating. Biohacking is, you know, nature, fitness, sunlight, nature, vitamin D, grounding, <laughs> yeah. all of those things. It's, I'm not saying you have to, you know, do intracranial stem cells. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's a bit much. It's a, well, yeah. It, they help, but it's a bit much. They, do they help? I don't know. That's the question, right? <laughs> so now with things like Wavi, we can measure the efficacy of how, that. How much, yeah. Is this helping? Do you need it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were, I, I, I love that. I think I... What I try to tell people first is the cheapest, most accessible interventions. Yes. And using that as your hacks, first of all, because any of those fancy devices it ain't going to work the way they should be if you don't have all those right, right? The foundational things. Oh, absolutely. But you did mention the um, red light therapy. Yeah. Do you like that with the red light therapy? How, the, have you seen it help you personally? So me personally, I mean, obviously I have access to a lot of things mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm a huge fan of red light therapy. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of amazing studies going on with red light therapy. Yeah, and I think, great. you know, you and I on our last phone conversation, which I swear we talk for hours every time, which mm -hmm. I love, but, you know, we talked about energy. And, and there's a thing behind energy that we just don't know how to measure yet. Yeah. And I think that light is one of those energies that for some reason we just don't 100% know how to quantify that yet. And I know that we're getting there. But I, I feel a huge difference in red light therapy. And I know that it's helping with the inflammatory process. And if we talk about, you know, even just the, the ability to upregulate nitric oxide abilities with red light therapy, mm -hmm. okay, what does that do for us? Okay, how many people are chronically inflamed? A lot of people. A lot of people. When I was in, when I was in practice... Everyone, I would even do measures of inflammation and it was crazy. Oh, I mean, of course. And mm -hmm. it makes sense, right? Like when does our body shut off? We don't ever give it a chance, <laughs> you know, like we're not sleeping, right? Mm -hmm. We have, I don't care if you believe in 5G or not, we have chronic exposure to a number of different waves that are around our world, Yeah. right? Everyone has a cell phone, almost everyone, mm -hmm. right? Everyone has almost Facebook. I mean, have you seen the amount of Facebook profiles? I don't even know what it is at this yeah. point. So that means people are looking at a screen. Everyone's got Wi-Fi on. Everyone's got Wi-Fi on, right? We're in a connected society. That is causing some sort of inflammatory process, right? Mm -hmm. It may not be massive, or it may be. I don't know. But on top of that, how many people are eating a grass-fed organic, you know, diet? Mm. Few. 
Okay, so if we start stacking all these things together, chronic stress, when does your body have the ability to recover? Maybe when you sleep, if you sleep right. If. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's like, you get to this point where you go, oh my Lord, everyone is living in this chronically inflamed state. Mm-hmm. And so what are those, like it gets back to your point, what are these cheap, easy, and accessible things and lifestyle changes that people can make without having to go to the red light therapy. Now, if you have access to red light therapy, absolutely. I'm all about it. If you have access to cryotherapy, absolutely, I'm all about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it can change. I I think there's a lot of science that's going to be happening around NAD. Yeah. Yeah, NAD is really something. A lot of people are getting the IVs for NAD. I just took some this morning. Oh, did you really? True niagen I took. Okay, yep. Um, And, like, it's not something you take and you go, whoa, I'm revved up. This is a long-term mitochondrial support. Absolutely. Yeah, but it's it's amazing stuff. What have you heard anything interesting about it from your side? And so yeah, I mean, I have world? some I have some practitioners that are utilizing NAD. Um, and if you really break NAD down to its root core, you know, it's the limiting factor in the Krebs cycle. Mm-hmm. So if we have a limiting factor in the Krebs cycle, okay, you know, mitochondrial health, for lack of a better term, has to do with whole body wellness. Yeah. If our mitochondria aren't functioning properly, how are any of our cellular processes supposed to function properly? It's our energy source, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, well, then you dive even deeper. Okay, what if we don't have the right catalyst for that? What if we don't have the right vitamin D levels, the right exposure to sun? So it really breaks down into that. So if we can dose with NAD, maybe we're upregulating some of that mitochondrial energy and that can get into that whole... I mean, there's a whole cascade of amazing Mm -hmm. effects from that. Um, How... Is it crossing the blood-brain barrier? I think that we need to do a lot more research. I have to be honest mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's a bad thing no. by any stretch. I think it's really amazing, actually. No, it's pretty. It's regarded as pretty safe from, yeah. from a, like a capsule standpoint. Very much so. Um, but if you're getting it IV, that talk to your doctor or make yeah, sure absolutely. you have a professional. But you, like the, the one I take, I said true niagen, but I also take Which the quick... I'm a big fan. Yeah, the Quicksilver one also, they have yep. the gold, NAD gold. Yes, And I do. talked about these on my morning, um, like my morning routine, what I take. And that, I talked about NAD a little bit. But really, mitochondria are so vulnerable to so much crap. Of course. Right? Like we talked about inflammation, crappy diet, environmental toxins. Our mitochondria are somewhat like the first line vulnerability, right? Just like our brain, actually. Our brain Literally. is super vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. But, but our mitochondria, heavy metal. So the question is through aging, through longevity, how do we support the mitochondria, right? A lot of people, there's there's a huge theory that cancer begins exclusively in the mitochondria. Mitochondrial dysfunction will create the signal to create cancer. Absolutely. Um, so again, that's why I'm I, I like, I, I love that people are hearing this. They go, oh, NAD, I think Dr. G talk, spoke about it, and now it's revalidated from you. Really important stuff to maybe start getting in there as we get older. And definitely do your research, Yeah. right? And I don't think it's just... Uh, to me, uh, the only thing that I will say is I hate the, the perspective of, like, there's a drug for that. Yeah. Right? It, as you said earlier, you know, without having the right foundation... It's really hard to validate any one of these things because mm-hmm. you could be taking NAD every day, but then going and eating, you know, a double double. <laughs> yeah. Right? And I'm not saying don't live life. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of having some sort of balance. Like I don't, me personally, and you can disagree with your lifestyle, but I don't want to live to 150 and look back and say, I wish I would have tasted a donut. Yeah. I just don't want to. Yeah. That's my personal opinion. Do I eat a donut every day? Absolutely not. Right. But if my body, I take care of it 99.9% of the time where I give it all of its fighting defenses and I really make sure that I'm nurturing it from my mitochondrial health to my brain performance to my gut biome, Mm -hmm. my body's better prepared for these things. And this is where we start getting into the COVID talk. Mm. And we start saying, okay, if we had people that weren't at a 60 plus percent obesity rate in the United States... And we're talking three, four, five comorbidities. Would COVID have hit as hard as it did? That's a good question. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I I would venture to say that hell no, no, it wouldn't have. If 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 we were a healthier country, and this is what I was saying in April, man. In April, I I was like, we're an unhealthy country. We're inflamed, or we have immune dysfunction, insulin dysfunction, right? Metabolic dysfunction. When we're obese. And, and this is, this is what we're seeing now because of that. And, uh, so yeah, like this is, this is why like people like you, people like me really want to, 
establish, at least maybe even to the younger generations, long-term, lifelong habits. Absolutely. And it's amazing because these generations now have so much more access to this stuff. Like, God, I wish my parents' generation had like access to eating healthier. Like, oh, totally. What are heavy metals? What are food dyes? What's inflammation, right? Now it's more common. Like we can look it up all the time. It's amazing. Look at the branding you see coming into major grocery stores even. Oh, yeah. There's amazing. a huge market shift happening, right? And and people that are educated or even interested, it's you don't even have to be educated to know that you can demand a higher quality. Yeah. You just don't have to settle for status quo. No. And that's what's going to shift the market. It's not going to be all of us. It's going to be the educated consumer sitting there saying, I want better. And as you continue to support those brands that are really putting quality ingredients out there, I don't care if it's a supplement company, I don't care if it's laundry detergent, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter, or food. As you support those brands, it gives them more infrastructure to grow. Yeah. And it allows other brands to say, hey, they're having some really good market share. I don't have to sit there and compete with whoever it is, the corporate giant. Yeah. I can make a market share out of this. Yeah. And I can give customers what they deserve. And if you look at that, that is way more accessible than you and I ever had it growing up. For sure, 100%. And, and, and it's crazy because as that grows, then companies like Pepsi or Kroger, they go, oh, well, there's some money to be made in this. Exactly. And then they go, all right, well, why don't we just stop poisoning everyone and let's just shift to... <laughs> they'll just go where the profits go, right? Of course. And if the profits go to... So I think that a lot of our work is in, in creating more of a demand for better health for generations to come. And it's crazy because people are so empowered now. They're like, God, like there was a, there was a, um, like this controversy with F factor. I don't know if you heard it, but, um, they, there was people actually asking for third party testing, right? Really? Because they're, because they're taking this powder every single day. It's like right, fiber okay. or protein powder, yep. but it's high fiber protein powder. And, and they were not giving it. So it was a huge thing. Like uh, it was a, like a month ago, there was so many messages coming in. I was getting them, and I was just seeing them on like explore pages. I was like, "Holy shit, this F factor thing's like blowing up right now." Enough that the uh, founder had to do a whole Instagram live on talking about why they don't give those third party testing. Wow. Enough that they put multiple posts, and then finally they did give the third party testing and that is because of consumer demand exactly they go we're support we're paying good money for this we want to know what's in it right we don't we're not taking anyone's word anymore like right. we want to know what's in it not all companies are looking out for you i shoot I, I went on a walk in santa monica with one of the founders of a collagen company and he we were talking and he goes we have the opportunity to make bigger margins if we totally. got from China, we can Absolutely. get all our crap from China. And, he, and then he goes, to me, it's hard to believe that any company is going to go, oh, we didn't know. Like, we didn't know. We just, it, it's, it's a conscious decision that you go, all right, let's, let's sacrifice quality for a larger margin. And I understand business is business, but it's, 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 that's, it's very much so a conscious decision when they There's do that. There's a root. You can have principles of your business. For sure. I own multiple of them. That's right? the ethos. And, and you get, yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I, there's even ways to regulate the things. If you are sourcing overseas, there are ways to source and literally do it sustainably. Yeah. It, you can test. We have the ability to do microspectrometer testing on everything that's coming in. ID testing on everything that's coming in to know exactly where it's being sourced. Mm -hmm. The U.S. is not the only country that we can get really quality ingredients from. Mm -hmm. I don't know. If, did you ever watch Darren O'Lean and Zach um, Efron's I know the show. Show? Yeah. yeah. So really, not that it was without flaw, mm -hmm. but there were some really amazing principles that were brought up in that show. And my yeah. wife and I watched it, you know, all the way through. And if you look at the food growing process outside of the United States, I'd actually argue that our food growing process here in the States is actually more third world, third mm -hmm. world than it is in a lot of other places mm -hmm. as far as health benefits, mm -hmm. soil quality, natural minerals. Yeah. You know, we can even get into the purified water conversation if we yeah. really want to go into that. But yeah. you start really looking at this and, and the access to the information is there. We just have to con continue to talk about it. Yeah. And we got to continue to get it out there. Yeah, I, I I think I'm hoping for the day that a lot of these companies are like, yeah, like we are going to source. We found a place to source. It's going to be high quality and we're going to make good money on it. And here's the validation. Yeah. And there's the consumer demand for it. Yeah. 
and and it's starting to get there. It is, it is, it is. So that's amazing stuff. Um, all right, yeah. So is, is anything else really pressing that you really want to put out there? Because I know that you, look, you're an entrepreneur, you're a biohacker, you love brain health. Uh, maybe some of, what are the, some of the best things you've done for your brain that you found that have helped you the most that we can learn maybe or start incorporating? I mean, I think it really boils down to your lifestyle. Mm. Really take control of your lifestyle. Brain health equals lifestyle, lifestyle. number one. No fans or buts. The other thing that I really like to bring up is that we're going to go into a little bit more deep conversation. I don't know what our time frame looks like. Just go into it. We're going to go We go in. with the flow here. So you and I talked on our last phone call about depression and anxiety mm -hmm. and the state of mental wellness during COVID. So, you know, I'm walking right now, literally down uh, Marina Del Rey. I was walking on the pier this morning, went out for a beautiful morning walk. Mm -hmm. It was gorgeous, right? And I'm sitting there. I didn't have a mask on. And I, I, whatever your opinion is, whatever your opinion is, mm -hmm. it's okay, right? But all of a sudden, I'm walking past these people who all have masks on, not smiling at one another, mm. not looking at one another, not making eye contact. We're energetical beings. We're designed to be in communication verbally and non-verbally with one another at all times. When you walk into a bad room, you know it's a bad room. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, you sense it, right? When you walk into a good room, it's a good room. That's energetical. What scares me right now is we've created this almost aura of negativity just everywhere in the world. People are scared to be with people. All of a sudden, we have kids not at school, not interacting with their friends. We have infants growing up right now that aren't able to look at facial cues. How much of our communication is nonverbal? Mm. Call it 80 plus percent. I don't know the actual mm -hmm. statistic. More than verbal. A, a lot more, mm -hmm. right? And all of a sudden... Nobody, you know, you have infants for the last eight months that haven't seen verbal cues any or nonverbal cues anywhere in the world because we've had covered face masks. And I'm not saying that that's not important. I don't care what your opinion is, but I, there is going to be an effect to that. Mm -hmm. Kids are going to be need to be taught about depression and anxiety. Okay, well, now we start going into this conversation of what is depression? What is anxiety? What is ADD? What is ADHD? All of these things are states. And what I love about Wavi, and I'm not even trying to just speak about Wavi, but what we need to educate people on is that states are fluid. Mm. They are things that can change. That just because you may be depressed or sad at that current moment in time does not mean that is an overall quality of you. It's not a finite piece, mm. right? That can change. And it's not things like drugs that have to change that. You can change that. One of the measurements that we measure in, in, in a Wavi scan is an F3, F4 alpha symmetry. And it's looking at the symmetry of alpha in the frontal hemisphere. And there's been a lot of studies around the correlation of stress and low moods with that. You can call it depression and anxiety if you want. And it's correlatory, right? I'm not diagnosing anybody. Diagnosing my world is a bad word, mm -hmm. right? But if you look at that correlation, okay, well, now we can look at things that actually change that marker. And we can say, okay, if I sleep better, does that marker change? If I exercise, does that marker change? What is exercise? It's one of the largest release of natural endorphins that you can create. It's really hard for me as an exercise enthusiast to believe that someone can go into a workout, push themselves, have a great time in a community atmosphere, and come out in a worse mood. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I probably haven't. No, right? not at all. So all of a sudden, if we can get people to understand that I know you may be feeling down right now. I know the world is in issues. I know that you may have lost your job. And all of these things are really, really hard. But know that that's a state. And know that that can change. Yeah, it's And beautiful. states are designed to be fluid. It doesn't define you. That's powerful. Yeah, no, it's, it's true because maybe hearing that, someone who's listening can go, well, well, damn, like I was told that this is where I'm at and I have to take this the rest of my life. Right. But it's not necessarily true at all. I've never looked at mental health that way. I've actually, right. I've always looked at it as more of a state and how do we fix that? Whether it's the gut, whether it's inflammatory processes going on in the body, whether it's gut brain health, brain permeability, something is going on that we can actually fix. Plus, what about the foundational stuff? Like you said, the exercise, the lifestyle, the movement, the community, Absolutely. Right? social isolation, those things have to be put, laid down. And I think that there's a lot of injustice happening when someone comes in and they go, all right, well, you're going to take this SSRI for your disease. 
as they call, right? Yeah. And then without asking any of those foundational stuff or ever investigating the stuff that I just mentioned with the gut and the brain. So yeah, I, I love that you brought it up and the state of our world uh, and brain health. And, yeah. and that's the whole community thing, the tribe, the, the, the facial cues, feeling like you belong to something. And uh, I hope that next year we see that unfold. And again. that's what you really want to, and, and I get people want to be safe and I completely respect it. Yeah. Right? And I, I want, I want the world to be safe. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I don't want this virus to wreak havoc anywhere. Um, but the fact that, you know, you still need to have community. You still 100%. need to have people in your life because we do, we care about one another. And if you start caring about one another more and more and more, you build this positive energy. And that affects every portion of your life, yeah. every piece of it. And I think that's really important. Don't stop getting together. Be safe. Mm-hmm. But check in on your friends. Call them. Have that sense of community. And I know Zoom's there, but it, it in my opinion, it's never going to replace physical interaction. Because there's energetics there. Absolutely. As you mentioned, you feel the energetics. I like, I like stopping there because it's perfect. Energetics yeah. are everything. Um, how do we find you? So you can find me social media, um, at PJ Sorbo, um, or Paul Sorbo either mm-hmm. works. Uh, you can find me on any p- social platform, uh, Wavi medical, wavimed.com, mm-hmm. um, Google, you know, number of podcasts, different mm-hmm. things, but, uh, always available as a resource and love to talk. A, a serial entrepreneur who's a biohacker, who cares about brain health, who cares about community. You're one of a kind, my man. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your time. I love this. All right. Awesome interview with Paul Sorbo. Super awesome guy. I mean, I knew that we would be vibing like that. Yeah, I can feel his passion coming through. If you haven't checked that out, I think it'd be really cool to ask your doc or look for a doc who's using that Wavi device for the brain and measuring brain health. Um, I've done two. I've done one so far. I'm going to about, about to do another one, but a really awesome, awesome test to show how our brain is working. Thank you so much for joining the show. I really love you all. Rating, reviewing, subscribing, as always, keep this message going. Do me a favor, send this to one person who has never listened to this show to keep spreading it around. I appreciate you all. See you next week.